Well, hello, everyone. My name is uh, Mike Hattinger. Thank you, Pastor David, for including a personal introduction in the video. It makes me feel quite special. Uh, I'm sure I have not met a lot of you. Um, I work with our kids. Uh, kids pastor, been here about seven months, and so I'm usually down there uh, on Sunday. So if it's uh, first time uh, seeing me, I did not just walk uh, off the street. But you know what? God can use someone who walks up off the street, even if I did. Like, you know, save th walking through the door, baptizing the fountain on the way up, and now I get to share. So, um, no, I'm saying even, even if, but uh, no, it's been an honor to be here at Radiant Life Church. So we, we came here, uh, I've shared this a few times with, with uh, a lot of you. My wife got hired here first, uh, and I believe God's kind of called me to uh, go back to school. And uh, so working on a post-grad degree, so I wasn't sure what I was going to do for work. And after Ashley got hired, um, when I still needed a kid's pastor, so I, I kind of jumped in part-time helping out with that. And it's been an absolute blast. Uh, and this is an amazing church, so it's like... Yeah, what a what a blessing to be be part uh, with working with my wife and with uh, Pastor Chris and, and the whole team here. So I am so thankful, uh, God's kind of arranged those things, and uh, also thankful I get to share today. So thank you, Pastor Chris, for letting me um, share uh, God's word a little bit uh, and uh, hopefully point point us to Him. So. Uh, you know, like I said I am kind of in in post grad school, and, and you'd think, how does that work with kids ministry? You know, um, you know, telling third graders about the textual reception history of the New Testament doesn't go over so well. But I, I think I found a way to combine it. So I've been doing a lot of studies in Old Testament wisdom literature recently. So I came up with a children's um, coloring book based on Ecclesiastes, uh, and it's basically just a bunch of dark black papers with dark markers. They color for 30 minutes, and doesn't matter if they're good or not, because you can't see it anyway, and you throw it away. So, yeah, if online you can't see the picture, uh, Ecclesiastes 1-2, basically the theme of the book is everything is meaningless and vanity, and you die whether you're good or bad at stuff. So, um, hey, it's in the Bible. It's not me, but that was a joke. I, don't, I didn't do that. We're not doing that with our kids. Um, but if you want to, you know, feel, feel free. Good life lesson. Yeah. Uh, any, anyway, ideas are free here, but... Um, okay, so with our kids, uh, you know, it would be helpful if, if we could adapt some of the kids' church things uh, from down there for, for myself. It would help us connect a little bit. Um, and so if, if you guys are getting a little bit too rowdy, um, you know, talking and, and arguing about who stole your Lego man with your partner next to you, um, what I do down there is I'll say, one, two, three, eyes on me. And do you guys know what you respond? Does anyone know this? Say, one, two, eyes on you, right? So let's practice. One, two, three, eyes on me. Actually, that I didn't that that was kind of sacrilegious feeling being up here. Everyone's eyes on me. Let's let's all right. Never mind. Let's maybe one, two, three's us eyes on Jesus. Let's do that instead. Uh, okay, I regret doing that, but anyway. Uh, but we do have to follow the rules, and one of our rules is have fun. So if you're not having fun, you're gonna have to go sit in the back with Pastor Dave. Okay, so that's yeah. After we'll give you one warning, but after that, so make sure you're following rule number four today. Okay, enough of the useless joking. Do you have a problem, though, that we see, uh, kind of struggle with in my life, and that we see, you know, we figure out this, this Christian living and what it means to, to follow Jesus, and that's what's on the list. What is on the list? And here's what I mean kind of by that. So growing up, and actually literally going to University of Valley Forge, Assemblies of God College, we were not allowed to watch rated R movies. Rated R movies are a sin. It's obvious. The Holy Scripture of the Motion Picture Association of America says so. No radar movies, right? Does anyone have that, that rule in your house? No radar movies for your kids? Okay, thank you, thank you. You guys are going to have to participate here. Like I said, I don't want to give you a warning. Please, please participate. 
So no radar movies, that's wrong, except Passion of the Christ. That one was allowed. Right, so literally that was written into our like student handbook. You can watch past the one radar movie. That one's not on the list. Everyone else is on the list. You know, it's a sin. It's not good. And a kind of example of well, what is what what is right and wrong in the world. What's what's a sin and not? How do we how do we live as God has has called us to? You know that you know the Bible's very clear on this. Or is it? Or or well, Bible doesn't say. Or but really, if you follow it, does it make it clear? And I think there, sometimes there's some confusion, and obviously there, there can be contradicting things. But what's on the list? One, what's on the list? Well, I think Jesus kind of speaks to that a little bit, gives us a tool. And I think it's going to be encouraging today. I don't know if you, you felt that struggle or wondered, had that confusion. Well, like, are we following all these Old Testament rules, but now it's Jesus. What do we do? I think Jesus has something to say about that, and I think it's encouraging. Pastor Chris asked, uh, you know, Ashley and myself to, to speak back to back and to be uh, mostly encouraging. I don't know if that means he has a really, like, judgmental message coming. I don't know. But he said, yeah, just be encouraging. Uh, so I, I don't know what he's got planned. But I, I hope this will be encouraging today. It is to me. And maybe for a lot of you, it'll be confirmation. Like, hey, just just keep doing what you're doing. You're, you got this. You got this. So hopefully this is, this is encouraging. I think I think it is. So I have a question for you guys. What was the word for good or cool uh, when you were growing up? What was the word, the kind of the common word in your, in your friend group, in your society for something that was, that was good or cool when you were growing up? Neat. Someone said rad. Okay, neat, rad. Uh, sir, someone said bad, like Michael Jackson. Like, if you're bad, you're actually good. Uh, what else? What else we got? Dope. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think in my middle school, high school, it was like tight. Like, oh, that's really tight. Is anyone there, there with me? Any, other, any Gen Z people in the house? Like, oh, man, that slaps. Yeah, that's, those nachos are straight bussin' though, right? Anyone else? Anyone? Like, anyone? Um, how about this, like, groovy? Is that a thing from the 70s? Like, yeah, I got a fist bump. Okay, I must have done something right there. So these, these words can have different meanings, connotations, and it's helpful to know where the person kind of is coming from, maybe their, their societal context of what they mean when they say it. If someone says, we'll take groovy, someone says something is groovy, for example, it would probably mean something different if they are a child of the 70s or played in a disco band in the 70s versus a woodworker. If someone says this is really groovy and they're a woodworker, they're probably talking about something different, right? Does that, does that make sense? Like, well, whatever their context is, is going to kind of change, change the meaning. It could inform us of the meaning of, of what they're saying. If you say something's really bad, but you're Michael Jackson, it actually, oh, it actually means good. You have to understand their context, and it gives you some information on what they're saying. So I think we can do that with Jesus today. We're going to look at some of Jesus' words and try to look at them in his context. Uh, Jesus was son of God, came to earth, we have to remember, as coming to earth, he was a human being that lived a specific time frame in a specific area, in a specific community. And those things kind of shaped him and his language, his message, message growing up. Jesus was a real person in a real human context. So let's look at Jesus' words. Uh, and here's our roadmap today. So I, I try to give, you know, sometimes things make sense to me. And this has happened in our marriage a lot. It makes sense to me, and I don't fully explain it. And, you know, I'll leave my wife hanging or something like that. It's like I need to make, 
you know, not not to fall into the trap of making my brain try to make sense to everyone else. Uh, or I need to I need to do that. So here's our roadmap today. Um, you have you see the star up there? That's where we are. Just like in the mall, right? You are here, the star. So that's that's where we are. Here's where we're gonna go today. So we're gonna look at Jesus' words. Then we're gonna look at the words of his community to see if that kind of informs us. They're just like groovy. And then we're gonna see what point that gives us. Does that inform us of what Jesus is saying? What's the point of what he's saying? All right, after that, we're going to go to the early church and see how did they apply these words. Does this make sense and does this reinforce the point? I think it does. We'll go back to the point and then we'll end by showing what does this kind of mean about God and about ourselves. All right, so here's our roadmap. We'll try to come back to the slide a few times. Stops along the way. Here's where we want to go today. And I guess before we get into it, I, I do want to to ask Jesus, please make sure it's not my message, my words, but it points to you. Uh, Holy Spirit, you're in charge here, so make up for my flaws, I pray. Amen. All right. If you were here first service, you'll notice I've adjusted using a handheld mic instead of the wireless one that kept falling off my ear, and I have some tea for a scratchy throat. So I'm making adjustments. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm maturing. All right. So let's get into Jesus' words. Matthew 16. And last week, uh, Pastor Ashley preached on 16 through 21, uh, the confession of Peter that Jesus is the Christ. And he says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Um, And man, Peter was a messed up guy. He was messed up before he said this, and he was messed up after he said this. But just by him saying, Jesus, you're the Christ, you're God's Messiah, Jesus said, I can work with this. I can build on this. Same with you. You're a messed up person just like me, both past and future. Hey, but if you get the one thing right, that he's the Messiah, that he's God, he can do a lot of good with that. That is an encouragement. Ashley shared on that. So today we're going to focus on 18, specifically 19, and specifically even the second half of 19. So here's what 18 and 19 say. Matthew 16, verses 18 and 19. This is Jesus talking. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So again, Ashley preached on this, and yeah, there's a powerful confession in in declaring who Jesus is. Now verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. This is Jesus talking. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's going to be our focus today. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, I know kind of growing up, I, have, I had heard this interpreted sometimes that this is about spiritual warfare. This is about, you know, if you bind a demon in Jesus' name, then in, in the heavenly realms, this demon will be bound. Has anyone heard that before? Okay. There, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think Jesus makes clear the spiritual world is real and, and he is powerful over and against it. And he can, you know, he's in control. I don't think Jesus is talking about spiritual warfare in this case. I don't think he's talking about you, you know, whatever you, you can bind Satan and Satan will be bound in heaven. Uh, you know, Revelation talks about he'll be bound one day, sure. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that spiritual warfare stuff, but I'm not talking about that today. But I don't think this verse is saying that. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Jesus' community to maybe inform us. So Jesus was not American, not a Baptist, not evangelical. Jesus was Jewish. And what did his disciples call him? Rabbi, rabbi, kind of means teacher. 
So Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, and rabbinic Judaism, Jewish rabbis, were, were becoming very common around his time. In fact, we know for sure about 70 years before Jesus arrived, there were two uh, really ingrained schools, uh, rabbinic schools, that, that try to decipher God's word and, and give teaching. And we're about to look at some rabbinic texts that are dated, maybe they were compiled a century or two after Jesus uh, was gone, which is the same for our New Testament manuscripts. We, we have them from a century or two. But they date back, um, the rabbis they're talking about are all the way back in Jesus' time. They talk about some emperors and some wars that were happening before, during, after Jesus' time. So we're, we're going to look at some other words of Jewish rabbis that were right, again, alongside Jesus. So what was the language of a Jewish rabbi? Just like what's the language of a woodworker or a disco player if you're talking about groovy or, or bad? What does the community say? So let's look at some of those, I think, that will bring that to light a little bit. So the first one says, during the war of Vespasian, earlier rabbis bound bridegrooms wearing garlands and the playing of bells. In the last war, they bound the bride in regards to riding on a litter within her village. But our rabbis loosed the bride to ride in a litter with her village. So rabbis, some rabbis bound this, other rabbis loosed this activity. What about another one? If a man made a vow to abstain from milk, he is loosed with respect to whey. Does anyone know what whey is? Because I do not but it sounds milky, something to do with milk. It's what? It's a protein, okay. okay. I, I know, it, yeah, something like when the milk's nist substance, whatever. And he's loosed away. Rabbi Yossi binds it, but if man made a vow to abstain from meat, he is loosed with respect to broth. I love a good broth. A good, like, Thai broth. Mm. Anyway, Rabbi Yossi uh, binds it, or man made, vow, sorry, made a vow to abstain from meat, he is loosed. To broth in which it was cooked, but Rabbi Judah binds it. If a man made a vow to abstain from wine, he is loose in respect to a cooked dish that has the taste of wine. So from these examples, what are we getting the sense of what does binding and loosing mean to Jewish rabbis? Setting the rules that binding is prohibiting, loosing is allowing. Binding and loosing is, is what's kind of on the list and what's not. What's right, what's wrong, what's the right thing to do, wrong thing to do. Let's look at one more. If a man made a vow to abstain from vegetables, he is loosed with respect to gourds, but Rabbi Akiva binds them. Rabbi Akiva said, no, no gourds. I don't know what his beef with zucchini was, but he squashed it for his followers. So binding, binding and loosing. When rabbis say binding and loosing, they're talking about what is permitted and what is forbidden. What's allowed, what's not allowed, what's the right way to go, what's the wrong way to go? What's a sin, what's not a sin even? Now, is Jesus saying this? Some of you, you know, I'd be getting all cringy here. Let me make sure here's what I'm not saying. I am not saying do whatever you want. There's nothing wrong. You just do whatever you feel like because God has set us free, right? I may be pushing the pendulum this way. It doesn't mean I'm swinging it that way. Like I'm not going to the extreme. Okay, I want to make sure I clarify that. There is a call to holiness. He's the master. He's in charge. I'm going to go through and explain this. I want to make sure I'm not going to that extreme. But if Jesus says, I'm giving you the power to bind and loose, and heaven's going to match that, it sounds like he's saying, you know what? What's right and wrong? What's, what's the way to go? You can figure this out. I trust you. You can decide. That's a big thing. That's a big thing. That shows how 
amazing Jesus is to trust a messed up church with that. Again, if you're if you're feeling really cringy about this, we'll, we'll get into it. I think there's I think there's a there's a metaphor here that, that helps visualize it for me. Again, I'm not saying there's just do whatever you want. I'm not saying that. That's prevalent in, in our world today. You know, just you do you. I'm not saying that at all. But is Jesus saying, yeah, binding and loosing your call? Go ahead, figure it out. So let's go back to our roadmap. We've looked at Jesus' words. We've looked at the words of his community, other Jewish rabbis. These aren't the only three examples, by the way. They're prevalent, tons and tons. Binding and loosing when rabbis use them is about what is permitted, what is forbidden. So what's the point? Here's the point I want to make today. The point I want to make is he has given us the keys to the car. He's given us the keys to the car. Now, I know verse 19, the first part is, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. There's some debate whether that's connected with the binding and loosing, whether it's kind of saying something different. I'm not going to get into all that. What does the keys of the kingdom of heaven necessarily mean? But I'm using this metaphor for this point, binding and loosing. He's given us the keys to the car. Here's what I mean by that. Let's remember, he sets the destination. He's in charge. He's God. He's master. So he says, you know what, church? Drive to Canada. He's given us that, but here are the keys. He set the destination. He says, here you go. Here are the keys. Again, what this doesn't mean is we get in the car and close our eyes and just floor it, and here we go. doesn't mean that. I have a picture. I've used this illustration in, with a youth group before, and I, I, lo- I think it makes a lot of sense. There's a picture of a couple cars. Uh, a Chinese, I believe it was a Chinese businessman, bought like 12 supercars. We're talking hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. And then he and his buddies took them on just a road trip throughout wherever. It was China or wherever. You can see through dirt roads, just dirt patches, rocks, rivers. And a lot of these cars just got totally destroyed. Why? Because they're not designed for that. They went off the road, kind of did their own thing for something they weren't designed for, and got totally wrecked. So what I'm not saying is he gives us the keys and we just say, hey, you, whatever you feel like, you just, you just go and do. No, because that's... That's what sin is, is going and causing damage to yourself and others. You go off the road, you're going to cause damage to your car, you're going to crash, you're going to break down, hurt yourself in the car, hurt whoever's in the car with you, hurt people around you. That's what sin is, brokenness and pain resulting you know, in this world that God did not intend. So let me be clear, when I say he gives us the keys, it doesn't mean go to wherever you want. But if he gives us the keys and says, hey, go to Canada, now, I need to also make sure, make clear, I'm, this is not a political Canada versus United States thing, okay? This is just an illustration. We're not in Canada. That's the destination, right? Okay, this is a metaphor. We're stretching it. Okay, please don't take it somewhere where it's not, okay? We could, if we were in, uh, we have some uh, Indian families. If we were in India, I would say Tajikistan. We're going to Tajikistan, okay? It's not nothing political about one country being better than the other. But the illustration of he says, hey, here's where you're going. I'm saying the destination here are the keys. Go for it. There's only one Canada, but there's a lot of roads, a lot of ways to get to Canada. We put our, our map up. You know, for some of you, it may be, you know what, I'm going to be, take the Methodist road. I'm just going to go straight direct there. I'm not going to worry about anything else. Right, I'm just going to hop on I-75, go up to Windsor, boom, I made it. Hey, good, you made it to Canada. That's where Jesus said to go, right? We're following him. Again, Canada's Jesus. This is just an illustration. Don't take it too far. There's a lot of roads, a lot of ways to get to Canada. 
a lot of ways to get there. Some of you may maybe say, I want to go up through Maine and Vermont. I think those, those autumn leaves are calling me, and I'm going to get to Canada through Newfoundland, that direction. Hey, you made it to Canada. That confession that Jesus is Lord, that's what, that's what matters. For some of you, maybe, man, I'm, I'm headed west up through Seattle and Vancouver. Great. That's a different road. It's not the exact same road. But you're going to get there. You got that confession of Jesus is Messiah. I think, I think, to me, this helps visualize what Jesus is saying. Whatever you bind and loose, you have that authority. You have the keys. Go. Hit the road. Find the road. Get to Canada. You can do it. And yeah, there's, there's one destination that he sets, but there's a lot of roads to get there. And there's freedom in how we can get there. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe you're going to be a little bit rebellious and take a ferry over through Europe and drive through Canada through Alaska. That's going to cause you a lot of extra pain, I guess, but you can get there. God can work with you too. God can work with you in that. God can, can direct you and make it happen. We don't always all have to just hop on I-75. Maybe that's what holiness looks like for you. Maybe for you, your family, God says, this is what holiness looks like. And the Holy Spirit will guide you. We'll talk about that. Maybe for this family, holiness is a little different. This family's going through Canada. This family's going through Maine. We're, Jesus, he's Lord. We're all going to make it to Canada. And I'm not alone in this. There's a quote from a commentator. It says this, if we take this seriously, this saying means that the spirit-inspired community will be able to declare authoritatively what things are forbidden and what things are permitted. Spirit-inspired authority. This should be encouraging. We don't have to worry. Oh, my gosh, we're getting it right or wrong. He says, he's given us the key. He says, hit the road. You can make it. All right, I'm going to take a quick timeout, 20-second timeout for a nerd moment. All right, so if you don't care about Greek, you know, verb usages, take a break. Check your bracket. See how you did last night. Uh, St. Peter's won again, so that's crazy. Uh, but, yeah, take, it, take a second if you're not interested in this nerd moment. Uh, there's some pushback on, on what else this might mean. Some people will use the, the future verb of, like, shall be loosed in heaven. Um, means that your, your decisions are, are just going to match what heaven's already decided. Hey, well, that could be Jesus is saying whatever you decide, God, God's going to make sure you get where you need to go. That's, that's still encouraging. Others would say, well, binding and loosing is about church membership. And whoever you bind and say is inside the church or out, you decide. It's possible, but the whatever is a neuter noun, and neuter is, usually applies to things, not beings. Um, and so that, that neuter of whatever usually means things, not like whatever, whoever, but whatever as in things. So it makes a little bit more sense. Okay, time out over. Uh, you can come back. Um, but all that to say is I think this is what Jesus is saying here. I've given you the keys to kind of decide what's allowed and what's not. It's interesting, Jesus never, he never used this. He never, he never spoke about binding and loosing to his disciples because maybe that's what he wasn't interested in. Maybe he wasn't interested in just giving them a bunch of rules but about living a life and having them follow him and mirror his example. It seems like he's done that to us as well. Okay, so we talked about Jesus' words, go back to our map, talked about his community's words, went to our point that he has given us the keys to the car. He's given us the keys to the car. So now part two, we're going to look at the early church. So these same followers of Jesus, a little bit later on, do they apply this principle? And I think they do. I think it reinforces our point. So he's given us the keys to the car. Here's where we're going. We're at the church's actions now. Let's see what they said. 
So we're going we're gonna to look in on the Jerusalem Council. This is a few years after Jesus, you know, had ascended. He was gone, and now the, the, the disciples are all in Jerusalem, and God sent the Holy Spirit, and they began spreading across the world. And as they were sharing the message of Jesus, people who were not Jewish, a.k.a. for them was Gentiles, were following Jesus, and the Spirit was being poured out. And they'd never heard about the laws of Moses, and they didn't, you know, to be Jewish and to follow God, you had to be circumcised, and they didn't know about all these things. So, so the, the original disciples in Jerusalem were getting together and, and figuring out, okay, well, what are these Gentiles, what rules are they supposed to follow? What's on the list for them? What do we do here? How do we figure this out? Do we just give them all the laws of the Old Testament? Do we give them a list of things that kind of yes and no? Let's see what they decided to do. Acts 15, 28, 29. Here's what it says. For it has seemed, this is, they're, they're sending an envoy and writing this message. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I love that language. It seems good. It, 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 this is, we, we, think, we think we're right here. Seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, from blood, from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these things, you'll do well. Farewell. So they're figuring out, what are all these, you know, 613 laws in the Old Testament, you know, of the rabbis. Man, the rabbis went crazy figuring out, again, we, we saw, you know, milk and whey and broth and whatever. What's, ex what's the exact directions to go? And they said, you know, we're just... We're going to kind of give you four things. Try to avoid this. But otherwise, you're, you're going to make it. You're going to be good to go. Now, does this mean these are the four sins that are left in the world? No. But I think for their journey, where they were at, this is what they needed to hear. It's almost, we're going to go back to our metaphor here. It's like, it's like the disciples were saying, okay, you're in New Mexico. We're going to Canada. Instead of giving them a map quest list by this direction. Everyone, anyone remember map quest? Yeah, it was like 99 through 2006, the greatest thing in the world, MapQuest and GPS, of course. They didn't give them a 80-step list on here's the, all the turns to get to Columbus that then you can get to. No, basically, it's like, what, it's like what they said was, hey, you know what? You're, you're following Jesus. God's giving you his spirit. You're going to Canada just like us. Here's what you should do. You know where the sun sets? Drive that direction, and when you hit the water, turn right, and you're going to make it. It's, they gave them minimum requirements. You know what? Avoid these things, and... You know, it's all about, like, eating things, sacrificed to idols and, and drinking blood. And there was, there was cultural significance. It was kind of about not, not conforming, overly conforming to the culture of the world, not mixing it too much. There's an application for us, a different sermon. You know, we're not, we're not eating idol meat, you know, at Dublin North Market or anything like that. But for their journey, where they were at, was, hey, you know what? Go west. When you hit the water, turn right. I think you're going to make it. You'll do well. It, this, this seems like... This seems right to the Holy Spirit and to us. We want to give you the minimum requirements. Because you have Jesus, you have the Spirit. Just like with Peter, that's what you need. That's the rock upon what Jesus can build. And Scripture helps us interpret Scripture. So I think this same principle we saw Jesus giving to his disciples. Hey, you have this authority. You, you figure out what's right or wrong. We see this applied in the Jerusalem Council just a few years later. Is, hey, we're going to figure out what's right and wrong for you guys. We're going to give you these minimum requirements. You can do this. It's, it'll be helpful. I think you're going to do well with this. I think that was so wise. I think, I think that's awesome. We see the early church kind of confirming Jesus' message to his disciples. 
So go back to our roadmap. We've looked at Jesus' words. We've looked at his community's words. We've looked at our point. He has given us the keys to the car. We looked at the early church, how they interpreted and enacted it out. It seems like that's what they did too. They gave a, a few list of things to do that were really cultural relevant, a few directions. Said, you know, try to do these things. You're going you're gonna to do well. It seems like they reinforced that point that he has given us the keys to the car. So what does this tell us about who God is and who we are? He's given us the keys to the car. Well, man, what, what a great God, leader, and parent is he. That he trusts us, empowers us, but he doesn't leave us. Right? Jesus died, and, and, but he sent the Holy Spirit. I think back to when I was getting my driver's license. This is probably only the third time I had driven. Uh, now, again, I was a missionary kid in Mexico, so I had driven our car like in the dirt roads of Mexico, nobody else around. Um, so I knew how to like op I'd operated a car before, not really with any kind of traffic laws. But probably the third time in the States, driving on the streets. Um, we lived in Mansfield, which is about an hour north of here, and we were going to go to an Indians uh, game. Uh, the Indians is what the baseball team was called before six months ago when they changed to the Guardians, if you guys didn't know. Cleveland Guardians now. That sounds weird. We were going, to, going up to Cleveland for an Indians game, and my dad said, here you go, you're driving us. Like third time on the road, and I'm gonna, about to drive an hour on the highway, 75 miles an hour, going up to Cleveland with all the interchanges there, the eight-lane highway, traffic and, uh, you know, traffic into the stadium, getting off the highway, finding parking. That was intimidating. I could not believe that my dad, you know, trusted me in that way, but he did. He says, here you go, you're driving. You're driving. And yeah, he gave me pointers along the way, but I remember that because that was so encouraging to me to know that my father empowered me, trusted me in that way. I still remember that. I remember that, how, how that felt. It was scary a little bit. Yeah, it was a little bit scary, but that he trusted me with my lack of knowledge and experience. That shows how good of a dad he was in that moment. That shows how good of a dad he was. And that's who God is. That he trusts yet guides. The Holy Spirit guides us. He empowers us, but he doesn't abandon us. That's a reflection on the kind of parent of God he is. He is great and amazing. That's my hope, is if you leave here with anything, it is, wow, Jesus, wow. He didn't give us a list of 8,000 rules on when to eat whey or not. He said, follow me. Here's the keys. Let's get to Canada. You can make it. That's the kind of God he is. All right, so what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? Number one, and this is, I might just preach it to myself, stop worrying. Stop worrying and embrace freedom in Christ. Again, does this mean just, oh, you go do whatever you want, it'll be fine. I'm not saying that. But man, we don't need to live in the spirit of, of fear, spirit of slavery. We have been adopted as children. We have freedom. Let's embrace this adventure. Let's go to Canada together. Let's go. Let's enjoy the road. And we, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. It's that where we are, for us, a church is a building, but for, for them, ecclesia, the, the people, the, the ones that have been called out, group of people. So maybe you're not a pastor here. I don't think this is just for, just for Peter. I think not just for pastors. I think it's for followers of Christ. Or for you, maybe your car, 
is just you. You're just single. Maybe that's your, your car. Hey, follow, you know, listen to Holy Spirit. Hit the road. Go to Canada. You can make it. Maybe for you, your parents and your car is your family. Let me encourage you. Make those decisions. Guide your kids into holiness and freedom. You don't have to worry about what other families are doing. Kids, teenagers, your friends' parents may allow them to do something. Your parents have bound you to it. That's the car you're in for today, right? Your friends' cars maybe got off the highway, going a different direction. You're in your car. It's okay. Parents, you're, you're good. Make decisions confidence, confidently with your kids. Make decisions confidently. You've been given that authority, that power. So stop worrying, embrace freedom. Number two, I say don't, don't be so quick to overbind others constantly. Don't be so quick. I have these slap bracelets. There's unicorns on them, teddy bears with hearts. You know, these are kind of fun the first two times. We have that kid, hopefully it's a kid, that like for the 37th time they got this at, at probably church and, and have constantly over and over like, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It gets annoying. Don't be someone with a limitless supply of snap bracelets and you're just walking around. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. I'm going to go online on Twitter. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Baptist, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Slap, 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 slap. Don't do that. Jesus, what do you do with the Pharisees? You're giving these heavy burdens to people. Stop giving such a heavy burden to people. What did the disciples do? Early church. Hey, you know what? We're going to give you these few things. We don't want to over, we don't want to give you any greater burden than just a couple things. So don't be always looking to overbind others. Don't be, for, don't be looking for an, a leg or arm you can constantly slap something on other people. That's not the example I don't think that Jesus or the early church set for us. And number three, and most importantly, trust the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit. He is good. He won't contradict God's word. He won't make Jesus lesser and you greater than Jesus. You know, Jesus, it's interesting. A couple verses after he says this, I'm going to give you authority to bind and loose. It says he began to share how he was going to die. It's almost like he knew, I'm leaving, but I trust you guys. Before I leave, before I got to get out of here, I trust you. Now, of course, he sent us the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit instead. Trust the Holy Spirit. He's there. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. Again, your journey may be a little bit different from the person next to you, but we're still, we're going to Canada, right? We're all following the same Jesus. So listen to him. He'll nudge you. Say, hey, get off at this exit. Hey, turn left here. Hey, you know, I have a moment of suffering for you. I want you to explore Kansas for a while. Okay, whatever. Holy Spirit. Hey, go this way. Listen to him. He'll direct you in the road that he wants you to go. He gives us the keys, but yet he still guides us. That's, that's the God he is. Gives us the keys, still guides us. Trust the Holy Spirit. He wants you, this, this saying has been so impactful for me. God wants you to be the person that he made you to be even more than you want to be that person. God's passionate about you becoming that person. He didn't just give you a destination or a process and then sits back and says, I hope you get there. He is cheering you on. He is, he is filling you and empowering you and saying, go get there. You got this. God's more passionate about you than you are about you. Trust the Holy Spirit. He wants to guide you. And I don't think I'm alone in this. I want to end 
one more quote from another commentator on this passage, and it says, this would suggest that Jesus is telling the disciples that they should confidently make decisions knowing that God would guide them. Confidently make decisions knowing that God will guide you. To me, that's, that's an encouragement. So church, confidently make decisions in your life on how to follow Jesus, on how to get to Canada, in your family, raising your children, confidently make those decisions, confidently. As a boss, a teacher, whatever your, whatever your vehicle is, your source of authority, confidently make those decisions knowing that God is with you. Be encouraged. Have that confidence. Most importantly, let's remember that this points to how amazing of a father and a master and a friend he is. How amazing that he's chosen us, doesn't abandon us, gives us the keys. This reflects on who he is. It's a good, it's a good day to follow Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're realizing, I'm just kind of stuck in the swamps of the Everglades. I've never even heard of Canada. It's a beautiful place. Jesus, following Jesus is a beautiful thing. I invite you. Maybe the Holy Spirit's talking to you saying, hey, time to turn around. Head the other direction. If that's you, it's a simple saying, okay, Jesus, I follow you. I choose you. You're Lord. You're God. So if you're here today and that's you, man, make that decision. He's prompting you. He's telling you, hey, turn, follow me. Join this journey. It's worth it. For the rest of us, let's keep following Jesus. Let's confidently make those decisions. We can do it, church. He's with us. He's with us. So I'll end with our Radiant Life benediction. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. Have a great day, church. Walk with Jesus. Thank you.